Welcome to Marin Costello Radio, where we have intentional conversations with impactful people, your weekly dose of motivation, inspiration, and entrepreneurship. Join me as we explore the ins and outs of building and running a business, interview leaders across all industries, and find the common denominator beneath it all. This is Marin Costello Radio. My goodness gracious, everyone, do we have a special treat for you today. When Dr. Loretta Seraldo, as a bright and excited medical student in the 1970s, took a summer job in the dermatology department of Harvard Medical School, she had no idea that it would spark her path to becoming a skincare visionary. After Dr. Loretta performed early testing on the effects of UVA on human skin and contributed to the development of the Fitzpatrick skin type classification, she became fascinated with understanding every facet of how and why our skin ages. Dr. Loretta, a pioneer in research and formulation, is also a practitioner, a mother, a speaker, and a friend. Though she has formulated some of the most effective products on the market, what sets her apart is 40 years of working with her patients. With her namesake skincare line, she has designed a realistic set of products with a deep understanding of the struggles, frustrations, and dreams we all have for our skin. And I'm here as a testimonial to say that her skincare products, your skincare products, Dr. Loretta, are so spectacular. I am beyond impressed with every product. And it would be my dream to bathe in the intense replenishing serum. I have it here on her recording. This is one of my favorite all-time products that I've ever tried from any line ever. And I'm not just saying that because I adore you and you're on our show. I'm saying that because I truly believe in this product. Thank you. Thank you. Oh my gosh. So how are you today? Very good. And so happy to be meeting and talking with you. Really. So much same. I love that we have the same haircut. It's making me yeah. really, really happy right now. Um, so I would love to ask you um, a question that brings us all back to the very beginning. What was little Loretta like? Well, you know, Marin, it's very funny that you even mentioned the haircut because little Loretta grew up with uh, my mom and her five Italian-American sisters. And in fact, very funny, every Sunday, we'd all get together for a big dinner. And afterwards, by uh, honestly, I'd say by about the age of 10, I started to work with my aunt's hair. And, and, you know, this haircut I gave myself a few days ago. I still love that. And so uh, I would, in those days, we had beehives and French twists. This was the early 60s, right? And so I think that little Loretta, you know, as I became a teenager, I remember doing summer blonde in the bathroom and all of this. When I got to my senior year of high school, although I had an older brother who already had gone through medical school, he was 10 years older than me, every one of my mom and every one of her sisters were very disappointed that I didn't go to beauty school. In fact, my kids sing to me, beauty school dropout, right? <laughs> you know? and so, um, so I say that very interestingly, I went on to, you know, do dermatology research, do my residency, and it was all like very focused on percutaneous absorption, ultraviolet, all this. But when I actually started to go into practice, 
there was just the very burgeoning uh, field of cosmetic dermatology. And I say I've sort of come full circle. I didn't go to beauty school, but I feel I've almost gotten to do one better because we say we dermatologists are really for skin, hair, and nails. So uh, really, I think that in many ways, I sort of almost had that vision as a little girl that I wanted to make people feel good about how they looked. And that's become my passion. And as you know, because we've discussed, I recently turned 70 and I want to really be a role model for people not fearing age, especially women not fearing age and to and to feel good about ourselves when we wake up and look in the mirror at first thing in the morning. When you and I first met, the two words that came to mind were sovereignty and femininity. And so I would love to, as such a force of success and a force of, you know, change and evolution and research in your field, how did you also stay grounded in your femininity and your sovereignty? Okay. You know, I've got to tell you sort of a funny thing. I think that some of it comes down to an experience that I had on a particular day because I was in medical school and I developed, I I guess it was something like an abscess in my tooth. And I was just about to take oral finals in pediatrics. And uh, our pediatrics attending, the person who headed it up, you know, the the teaching part of, of pediatrics was a woman that I held in such high esteem. I I literally did put her on a pedestal. She was a a beautiful woman inside and out, all of this. And I couldn't even imagine everything that she had achieved in her life. And it's just, she was such an idol for me. So I went to whatever the student office and they said, oh, you know, you're going to have to call the doctor at home to tell her this because she's going to have to rearrange her schedule for the next day. So with great trepidation, I call to the doctor and, you know, it's her home number. And and so I get on the phone. I say, you know, hello, you know, this is one of Dr. B's students and I need to talk to her. And the gentleman who, who answered the phone, who I actually later found what had been a classmate of hers, he was a fellow physician too. And 20 years before they had been classmates, he puts down the phone and says, hey, Angie, there's somebody on the phone for you here. And suddenly I realized that her great achievement wasn't just that she was such a respected, knowledgeable, successful physician. She had remained the same human being that she'd probably been when she was in school. And so that really became, she was my role model. And I just sort of never forgot it because the way that it registered with me is that's the true sign of success to achieve things professionally, maybe in business or whatever, but to still be just the same person that you were. And and I think actually that's almost a key to successful aging, you know, not to sort of deny your 20 year old self, but to still feel it, which I do at the age of 70. So aside from skincare, what else do you feel has contributed to that youthful energy, the youthful look. I mean, you look incredible, but Thank I also you. know that it's outside in and inside out. So yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. So actually, Marin, I'm going to say that, uh, you know, for, for your listeners and, and viewers that uh, I look the way that I do. And I have on actually 
I did put on a drop of a super serum from Ilya, but I have really like no true face makeup on. I've never been lasered. I've never had a facelift, any kind of surgery, anything like that. I really depend on skincare. But I think that much more my youthful nature, and I think appearing, I do appear, if you see me in, in person, I think I, I, I've been told maybe I appear a couple of decades younger than I am, right? But I think that so much of it has to do with my mental state of being. And in fact, I am a little bit concerned for with what's going on sort of, let's say on social media in the cosmetic and aesthetic marketplace, because women from a very early age are being made to feel self-conscious and to feel very hyper aware of their aging. And I think that for me, you know, very important to me was what the goals that I wanted to achieve, not just in my practice and as time went on in business, but I wanted to have a family. I wanted to, and and some of it is just luck that I was able to have four children and a wonderful husband uh, who unfortunately I just lost six months ago, but we were together 47 years. So I think for every one of us, before we start to worry about a crow's feet, we've got to really have a little checklist about our mental health and make sure that we are, doing things in life that are really making us happy. What are some of those things for you? Well, right now for me, I have to say it's being a grandmother and being able to pick up the grandkids and take them for ice cream after school. But uh, friendships, I think, are very important. And to really place that, you know, as a real priority in, in my life to nurture friendships. Uh, to have some time alone when I'm not thinking, you know, I, I like to sort of to even say to my patients, empty out our minds the way that we empty out our closets, right? You know, a thought comes into your mind and it's not really doing you any good. It's not useful. Forget about it, right? So I like to have a little bit of time every day. I wouldn't even say for true meditation, but just to sort of like visit with myself and reflect on the good, you know, hey, the sun is shining or there's always good to find, I believe in each and every day. And I like to sort of take a little bit of time and just, you know, I sort of go through that in my mind, all the things I'm grateful for. So gratitude. friendship and gratitude, exactly. Do you remember your first exposure to skincare? And what was the industry like when you first were exposed to the industry? Right. Yes. So, you know, I have to tell you, uh, that's a great question. And I haven't honestly thought of it that much. But I will say that as, you know, an Italian-American girl growing up in New York City, no less, I was much more concerned with hair and eyeliners and not really ever thinking much about skincare. And probably the first great insight I had, which maybe sort of subconsciously guided me a little bit on my path was that um, I was going to school in Manhattan, right down the street from Memorial Sloan Kettering, which is the big cancer hospital. And uh, in those days, this was in the early 1970s, I took a summer job in the social work department as the switchboard operator, because in those days we had switchboards and our little plugs. 
but I got to know the the social workers and uh, there was a huge, you know, those were very different days for women with breast cancer, especially where uh, women would have a little lump in their breasts and they'd have to sign a consent form for a mastectomy. So if, if they went in with the lump, they would wake up oftentimes with a radical mastectomy. And just at this time, Estee Lauder, who, you know, was still a very uh, well-known company, but this was 50 years, exactly 50 years ago. Estee Lauder was starting a program with the pilot at Memorial. And the program was to give women skincare to use after their really what was, you know, very, very challenging and difficult surgery after their mastectomies. And so there was a, a little bag that they'd get with cleanser and cream and a little bit of uh, mascara. And the program was called Look Good, Feel Better. And that did make a big impact on me. I was uh, doing pre-med and, you know, at first, you know, I heard, oh, look good, feel better. Okay, they're bringing the Estee Lauder bags over. And of course, because I never even used skincare, I thought, oh, geez, this is really going to make a difference. And it was just amazing. And there would be little groups uh, that would gather in the social service department of women who, the post-op women. And it was amazing how many of them, instead of talking about the discomfort or really the unsightliness of these big radical mastectomies. There was never breast reconstruction at that time. Instead, they were talking about, you know, I put that cream on and don't you think my skin really looks better today? And so I, I guess, you know, Maren, thank you for the question you just asked, because I think that there are many experiences that we have that we sort of catalog maybe in our subconscious that give birth almost maybe to, to some of our dreams and, and some of the path we follow. So between that moment and becoming a doctor, what was the journey in between? Yeah, so that was very interesting because um, really what the journey was, was uh, first of all, just going to medical school. It was 1974 and uh, we were lucky. I was in New York, 25, they were allowing, allowing 25% women to enter medical school at that time. And uh, that was a huge increase from just years before when it had only been about 10% of women were allowed. So I went in and of course, I, I think just like 99% of us women that I'll be a pediatrician or an obstetrician. The pediatrician part really uh, got the kibosh when at that time we had so many children with childhood leukemias and we did not have good chemotherapy for that. And so most of these children were coming in beautiful young children with a diagnosis and, and you know, maybe about 90% of them would be dying. So I didn't think that I could stand that. I thought, well, I want to have a family of my own. Maybe I'll become an obstetrician. But then when I, I wanted to have six children, just like my mom's family had been six. And so when I saw the hours for obstetrics, you know, I said, no, I can't do that. I married my husband, who was my classmate while we were in medical school. And I had done the research the summer after my first year of medical school, I had gone up to Harvard, done this research, and I said to my husband, I am fascinated with this. And I went back in my fourth year of medical school and did more research and said, you know, in dermatology. And I said, you know, this is my future and I have never regretted it. Was there always a calling to be a doctor 
when did that spark within you? Right. So, and by the way, Marin, I think we may have your same beautiful ring. Oh on. yeah, we I do. Love it so much. I love it. Love it. Love it. Really. I just had to write. So, um, so what I would say is, you know, it, it's interesting because these were very different times, right? I was born in 1953. So as a little girl in the earliest years, I went to Catholic school. So my first thought was I will become a Catholic nun. That was my very first thought. And then when when I started to really love beauty, you know, my mom and her sisters were sure that I would just become not just because I think beauticians are great, but that I would become a hairstylist, a beautician. Uh, what really then happened was that my brother was a big role model for me. My mother was a single mom who raised us. And so my brother became really, he was 10 years older. He became like a father figure. And when I saw what he was doing, I thought, you know what, instead of going to beauty school, I think I'm going to go to college, do pre-med. I don't know what kind of a doctor I'll be. It wasn't until I started medical school that I realized that women were sort of segmented into that pediatrics, obstetrics. In fact, I'm, I'm just going to share one more story, which is that uh, when I was, I was in New York at Albert Einstein up in the Bronx for my residency, and um, some of my fellow residents really were concerned that I wasn't going to go into practice because I was already married. So the chairman called me in one day and said, Dr. Seraldo, you've been picked to be the chief resident, at which point I started to cry. And I said, oh, doctor, I've got to tell you something. I just found out I'm pregnant. <laughs> you know, and I was so sure that he would say that he would pass me up for this. And I'll never forget, he was a hero of a man. He said, Dr. Seraldo, you haven't been picked for your gestational status. You still get the position. And so that was also uh, very empowering for me. And um, really, I, I've had a, a very wonderful life filled with a lot of dreams coming true, really. You and I, when we first connected, talked about Botox and fillers, because I know that there's some folks who are very obsessed with it and some folks who are very opposed to it. Where do you stand on them? Okay. So in my practice, I do a lot of Botox treatments. I started to teach the residents at University of Miami how to give Botox about 30 years ago. So absolutely over these 30 years, I have never been opposed to Botox. But what I am extremely opposed to is what I believe is sort of the marketing of it, where women are made to feel that crow's feet are unsightly. I do not believe this. You know, at first, Marion, the only place that we were doing Botox was for frown lines. And that was really an awful lot of people coming in, even let's say people who worked in sales, people who had grandchildren where they'd say, oh, my grandkids say, grandma, why are you always angry? And I think that that was a very natural thing. People discover themselves, hey, I can really, I don't have to be frowning all the time. People came back and said, I have less headaches, all of this. That now fast forward 30 years later, and in fact, uh, about a year ago, the New York Times did an article on the science section. They interviewed, I think, 10 dermatologists and their views on baby Botox. You just start in your 20s before you see anything. I was the only one interviewed who said, I find that ridiculous, okay? Uh, what I know about Botox is if you're at a point 
where you just, you know, you don't like your lines. I mean, I get women who come in and they're 50 and they have grooves of, of their crow's feet. We can do Botox and they'll be gone. Okay. So I see absolutely no point in worrying about something before it exists. And Marin, I'm going to sort of like put myself up to the camera at 70. I love to smile and I've got these lines. Now, listen, I can easily inject myself. I do. I have injected myself and get rid of them, but I don't find anything unsightly about them. So that what I, when patients come and say to me, do I need Botox or do I need filler? I always say, never put the word need and those treatments in the same sentence. None of us need it. If you think you need it, then I'm going to tell you what I think you need to do is to start to really have a program of feeling more positive about yourself. So none of it is bad. I perform these things in my practice. But what is bad is the, the constant marketing of it, you know, and, and they're almost like suggesting. I have people who come in and they say, wow, we I had three warts on my finger. And by the time I left, another dermatologist really convinced me that I looked unattractive because I had crow's feet. So I got Botox. That's wrong. I love the emphasis on adamant skincare before reaching the Botox and filler level. Can you talk about the different steps of skincare that you would recommend for yes. anyone to start with? Yes, absolutely. And, you know, I want to tell you, I think that many people think because I'm a dermatologist, I'm going to say sunscreen, sunscreen, sunscreen. The sun is one of the aging factors, but there are other things. Pollution, absolutely, probably actually is, is responsible for more aging because we're exposed 24-7, right? So I'm going to start by saying that I'm a avid believer, I know we must cleanse morning and night. Uh, when we wake up in the morning, we've had our face on pillows that are loaded with dust mites. And this is a real problem causing a lot of damage, leading to lines, age spots. So please cleanse morning and night, preferably with a cleanser that will remove dust mites, which we have our Dr. Loretta uh, gentle hydrating cleanser is excellent at doing that. The next, but you know, any cleanser you like, please morning and night cleanse. The next thing is you've got to be applying antioxidants to your skin. Very important. And one that's been uh, shown to be effective and also photoprotective is vitamin C. And I mentioned vitamin C in the morning because there is an array. If you want to go to the drugstore and buy something for $30 with vitamin C or get very fancy and buy something for $200, you will find vitamin C within your price range. Uh, the other great antioxidant that we're one of the few people using is called lipochromin. And that's the strongest antioxidant that's made. It's synthetic. So it's stronger than anything that's naturally occurring, but it also protects you from the whole range of free radicals. So all the other ones, vitamin C, retinoid zone, they only protect you from oxygen free radicals, which damage our lipids. So, you know, you want to use vitamin C, it's going to help the surface of your skin. The one that we also use, we have a, a couple of vitamin C products, but we also use lipochromin, which will protect you from the damage 
the free radical damage to your collagen, your elastic fibers, your hyaluronic. So definitely even look up that word lipochrome and, you know, Google it and, and see it's, it's, I think, I think it's actually, I discovered it because it was originally just made for medical use for uh, really to counteract the bad effects of chemotherapy. And I've been formulating for physicians only for 30 years. So I discovered lipochromin because I was reading about chemotherapy regimens and all, and I've been using it on my skin for, uh, I'd say nearly 20 years. And I think that's huge. So in the morning cleanse, do vitamin C, antioxidants, lipochromin, I highly recommend too. Uh, the next thing is we all talk about barrier repair. So you want to use a product. So it'd sort of be like first you cleanse, then I'd say use a serum that will give you barrier repair. So look for something that has things that are called like lipids and ceramides. Um, we've got the doctor run intense, intense replenishing because it's replenishing your lipids and ceramides. And it's got the lipochromin. So right there, the intense replenishing serum, sort of like a one-stop shop to really get everything you need after you've cleansed, right? And then, of course, I want to tell you that I do believe that in the morning we should put on sunscreen. And we dermatologists talk about what's called the inadvertent sun exposure. Maybe you just went to check your mail or you thought you were going to be out just for 10 minutes, but you were out longer. When we drive in our car, the UVA, the aging rays come right through the car window. So putting on sunscreen every morning, the sunscreens that we make at Dr. Loretta, we have two of them, and they both protect you from HEV visible light. And no matter what sunscreen you use, I'd like you to look for HEV protection in the visible light. Why do I say this? Well, ophthalmologists have for years, for decades now, always had glasses made with HEV protection because we know that the sun's HEV ruins, destroys our retina. Okay, so there's always HEV protection to protect our retina. Don't you think if it could destroy our retina that it can also destroy our skin? So again, you know, there are lobbyists, there are all sorts of people in the sunscreen industry. They're not ready to say we need the HEV because of, I think sometimes commercial reasons, but please use a sunscreen that UVA, UVB and is listed as HEV protection. And then at night cleansing, I believe that everybody should think about doing something that's exfoliating whether it's glycolic, retinol, or even a scrub. And, uh, you know, as often as you can, not to do it every night necessarily, but to coordinate it to your skin's tolerance. How, what would be the minimum that one should exfoliate versus the maximum that one should exfoliate every week? Okay. It's going to so much depend on the person. So number one, set a goal for exfoliating. Like if you have a dull skin appearance, you're probably going to need to do it maybe every other night. Uh, if really all you want to do is be a little preventative, maybe you've turned 30 and you heard your skin isn't turning over as fast, maybe once a week, but always, no matter how you're exfoliating, do it in front of a well-lit mirror. And never exfoliate if you see that your skin is getting red, if you see dry patches peeling, or if something feels sensitive, then that tells you this is not the night to do it. And always we like you to do it at night because exfoliation can make you more sensitive to the sun. Good to know. Is there a particular product that is your favorite or that is your non-negotiable? I mean, ideally all of them, but is there a hero product for you? Right. So I will tell you that probably 
you know, I really love everyone. I'm passionate about them. We won the Allure Best of Beauty for our tightening eye gel, you know, and I don't think that's necessarily the project you have to start with. There you go, right? So uh, yeah, as the best depuffer on the market, all this. But for me, I think especially given my age and all, we have a product that's called the Tightening Detox Mask. When we say detox, it's got the lipochromin, so it's protecting it from all those environmental aggressors that make all the, you know, the collagen structure, all that. The tightening, we found in clinical testing, we proved that after four weeks, you're going to have 33% more elasticity in your skin. And we use testers who are well into their 60s. So we dermatologists usually say, starting at 30, you lose 1% of elasticity a year. It's pretty phenomenal that you can regain 33% after four weeks. So what I'm going to tell you is it's it's a clear gel. It's pinkish, but it goes on clear. I keep it on my neck all day long. And it's given me this huge boost of self-confidence because it's kept my neck much more youthful. That's amazing. How long or how far into your dermatology career did you decide to launch a product? So basically, when I moved from New York to Miami, which was for my husband to do his heart surgery training, I arrived at University of Miami on the voluntary staff. And we had a doctor who uh, immediately approached me and said, you know, I really, he was a resident. I just don't like rashes. And I said, oh, his name was Dr. Brandt. He actually went on to develop a skincare line and really become the dermatologist for Madonna, Cher, you name it, right? So I said, gee, Dr. Brandt, maybe you've got to give up dermatology. He said, no, no. He said, you know, he said, I see something in you. He said, you know, you are the only dermatologist I've ever heard who, like, you understand a little bit about ingredients. He said, can you go to the chairman and ask to create a cosmetic dermatology training program here? So of course, I was very young and really excited about this opportunity. So I went to the chair and I said, yeah, I didn't name any names. I said, you know, I think that you really may have some of our residents where we're losing them, just teaching them about rashes. So I think I, it may have been the very first cosmetic dermatology clinic that we created in, in the country. This was around 1984. So quite a while ago, almost 40, it'll be 40 years ago next year. And uh, so that's when then I really, you know, I already had that research background and I've worked with Dr. Fitzpatrick and all this, but, uh, you know, that's when then I really delved into it. And and um, and I then from there, I'm sorry. So then from there, the next stage was that uh, companies were starting to make products for doctor's offices. The idea that dermatologists and plastic surgeons would actually dispense products from their offices that was starting and so some of at that time uh, I was actually the president of the Miami Dermatology Society and so some of the doctors approached me and said you know Loretta you've got this background you know what you're talking about you know can you actually formulate products for our practices so that's just what I did yeah I started that 30 years ago this past May and I still believe Marin I want to give this really to every listener, I believe that we have to do skincare first. That is the basics of keeping youthful and really boosting our self-confidence, not to rush and do any procedures. How long should someone focus on their skincare 
exclusively before considering things like injectables. And I say that because I lived in Los Angeles for 14 years. It is very much the norm. Now I live in Tampa, you know, which is not too far from Miami. It's very much the norm. I'm also in the age range where women are really being, you know, conscious about their skin and their appearance and they're kind of taking things seriously and some folks do go overboard. So what is your take on that? Okay. So I'm going to restate your question. Okay. Because I totally understand it. And the way you asked is what my patients ask, you know, when do you go from skincare to injectables? Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, right there, I think is reflective of what we're all getting exposed to in social media, which is this huge leap. Okay. I do believe that going from skincare to seeing a skincare specialist is something that should be done early on because for many women, what they can find will boost the results of their at-home skincare is, are things as simple as getting a glycolic peel, as simple as getting a regular facial, a hydrofacial. I am a huge advocate of all of that. And really believe that even in our 20s, especially if there's something specific, like our pore size is really bothering us. Uh, we're seeing a little uneven pigment. We see that we're, you know, uh, we're sort of looking less luminous and, and we just want to get a boost. And of course, when you start to do that, then even your at-home products will work better if you're doing facials or, you know, doing peels and all of this. But I think honestly, just what you said too, Marin, many women, if I walk around LA or Miami, I'm seeing a lot of women who look sort of unnaturally altered. And I don't believe that that's the outcome that any single one of us really wants. That's so true. I grew up in a, from, in a long line on both sides of entrepreneurs and entrepreneurial families and mm -hmm. families that work together in the workspace. You also have built an environment wherein you're working with your family. Can you tell us more about that? Yes. So I'm very fortunate. We have four children and my youngest and oldest, both daughters work with me at Dr. Loretta. And honestly, Marin, it's absolutely a family business. It's a hundred percent family owned, but also all of our team we think of as family. And uh, for me, that's a very, very beautiful thing because uh, we have sort of, you know, goals that are mutual for every one of us. And, and I think we're also very fortunate that we work well together and that we boost each other and that we, we have a sort of a very contagious passion for what we do. What would your advice be to folks who are either working with family or considering working with family and navigating those waters? Well, I have to tell you, I think that um, you have to be a little bit cautious and be sure that you will have complementary personalities. For instance, you know, I'm the dermatologist. Our oldest daughter, Gina, is our CEO. And her background is that she was a Wall Street lawyer before she joined us. I think it may be actually now even nine years ago and started with me with the formulating business. And uh, so she is very thorough, uh, you know, knows how to dot every I, make sure that we do such extensive testing 
uh, you know, on the compatibility of our formulas and our packaging. And, and just, you know, she's extremely thorough and has a very good uh, objective sense of just getting it done. And she has a very calm personality. Our youngest daughter, Liza, is in charge of our sales and marketing. And she is very spunky, very charismatic. And she her uh, her enthusiasm is contagious. But we really need those sort of, let's say, the both ends of the spectrum, the wonderful balance that we have. So I think that um, I think that you have to enter into this with a little bit of trepidation to have a family business and try to be as objective as possible. You know, are there going to be the unique talents that are brought in? Will there be more than anything, the compatibility? And remember that family comes first. So if there is any doubt or, or if a time comes when you're at an impasse, you know, your family's what counts. And, and you know, you're just going to have to work through it, even if it would ever mean someone departing. Uh, as we are now, Liza also joined me at first with the formulating. So, you know, we're all now eight years of working together and, and loving it, really every minute of it. So we're, we're just blessed and I'm very grateful. Well, congratulations. That is a huge accomplishment. It's definitely something to celebrate. Can you talk to us about the other team members on your staff and in your greater team that help you run your brand? Yes. So we have a wonderful woman who is trained as a cosmetic chemist, Bailey, and uh, she is just really uh, just the go-to person for us about everything. Um, we go to the new ingredient meetings, right? There's a, a big meeting that really has ingredients from all over the world up in New York City once a year. And then Bailey really, you know, does the deep dive into, oh, we're interested in this ingredient. A couple of years ago, we found an ingredient called Ectoine that uh, is a marine derived ingredient that uh, that we have in our newest sunscreen that the um, our Universal Glow just won the Harper's Bazaar for the best sunscreen for sensitive skin. It's mineral only. You always think of it as drying out. But, you know, I got very interested in this new this new ingredient actoin and then bailey did the very deep dive you know we we want to know everything about it we want to make sure that it's really in keeping with what we call a conscious skin care and you know uh so bailey is just wonderful for uh, for her obviously her uh you know her degree as cosmetic chemist but also a wonderful personality. We feel she's part of our family. Ariel, who you may have even spoken to, she's absolutely, uh, you know, the heart and soul of keeping everything together. Dr. Loretta, do you remember that there's an expert opinion due by the end of the day? And and actually, Ariel joined us right out of college. She also does, five years ago, she also does our social media. And um, I think it's very important. She's still in her 20s. And I think that she has, which, you know, none of the rest of us are, right? And uh, my one daughter's in her 30s, Bailey's in her 30s, uh, our CEO is in her 40s. Uh, but Ariel, in her 20s, she has such a sense of social media, keeping her finger on the pulse of that, and then saying to me, well, Dr. Loretta, you know, you may know the answers, but I know the questions. And, and that's been very important for us, too. Um, 
So, and then, you know, we have a wonderful person running our whole shipping department. And I have to say, even my own patients, if I'm out of something in my office, which I sometimes am, they're always like astonished, wow, or if they order on our Dr. Loretta's site, how can it be that that everything gets expedited and I, I get my products right away? And, you know, knock on wood, we really have very few issues at all with the shipping and how everything comes. So, so we have Jason and his team and you know, we really, I just, as I said, I feel very blessed, very blessed. Do you foresee the brand and your empire continuing to grow? And if Definitely. so, in what, in, how, in what way? Yes. So we are growing organically, right? Like for instance, in social media, it's all organic. We, we're not uh, paying any influencers, anything like that. So I truly would say that I think we're, we're growing every year and we're very, very happy for that. Um, but I would say that it's a slower growth than, for instance, there are now many skincare lines, many from influencers and, and the likes where, you know, they have a lot of venture capital money, a lot of investors. That's all very good. But I think that then there's a little more of a pressure to grow more rapidly. And we don't want to do that. We want to sort of really always answer the needs of our community, not to just sort of add on products because, you know, it may bring in more revenues. We're, we're really, um, you know, I think that I'm fortunate to be at a stage in my life where I have the goal, really the true goal of just wanting to make women feel more self-confident in their appearance. And so, you know, that we will take that course. And, um, you know, we're, we're super happy with the way that things have gone. How many products do you have in the line currently? So right now, you know, that is a question I should know the answer to. We just added on our new mineral only sunscreen. I think that that was number 13. So we've got two cleansers, three serums, uh, peel pads, the mask that I told you about, we have a great new resurfacing enzyme polish that there'll be a big announcement about in September. It's won a, a big award that's still embargoed, but we're very happy as the best scrub on the market. Um, we have two sunscreens um, and I'm trying to think of, oh, wait, well, the mask we said, I, I think so. I think that that adds up to about 12 or 13. You know, I try to make each product be very multitasking so that you don't need to use that many products. Oh, and of course our eye, that was the Allure Best of Beauty for the best depuffing uh, eye gel. So, but I try to make everything as multitasking as possible because I think it's confusing. I totally disagree with the 12 step approach to skincare. How long? have you seen an idea for a product take to actually come to fruition? Yeah. So believe this or not, typically the shortest, shortest would be two years. With our mineral only sunscreen, it was three and a half years. I think some of it is we are extremely fussy and extremely fussy. And I really want to prove that it works. I don't just want to sort of say, well, I put this ingredient in and the ingredient has the testing. I want to prove, you know, if it's something where I feel that it's going to be safe for rosacea, 
I we make up a, a sample batch and I give it to rosacea sufferers, you know, stuff like that. So we're very painstaking in what we do. I think, you know, the fact that I have my 40 years of dermatology practice and then my name is on it, right? It is what I feel that each product must be filled with integrity and honesty. Where does the inspiration come from to focus on a particular product? Because there are so many different types of products and different ways that we can go in skincare. Is it based on what your patients need? Is it based on your own research? Where does the where does the spark and the impetus come from to lean into a product category? Yes, so actually both. My own research has shown me that we need to update the concept of photoaging. Photoaging is still sort of a party line, oh, 90% of aging is from the sun. My own research has proven that 90 or more percent of uh, what we think of as chronologic aging changes are from outside exposures, environmental exposures, probably most importantly, pollution, sun, somewhat including HEV, irritants. Well, a lot of us are using things that are irritating us. And last of all, climate change is having a big impact on our skin. So that's sort of the basis of our whole line, really to protect skin that's exposed to the environment. Now, when we want to get to specific formulations, a lot of that does have to do with between my own patients and our team actual problems that they're experiencing. So for instance, let's even say someone doesn't like their pore size and, you know, over time or whatever. Well, you know, I felt that what we needed for the cleanser, we have two cleansers. One has salicylic, it's registered as an over-the-counter drug with the FDA, 2% salicylic, that's our micro exfoliating. But the other, the gentle hydrating will remove the dust mites that are really clogging up our pores. So what I wanted to do was in formulating everything, think about the problems that I really see day in and day out in my practice. And whether you're young or old, most of us don't like our pore size. I wanted to be sure our cleansers would address that. You know, next thing for sunscreen, so many of my patients, even skin cancer patients, they say, oh, I hate the smell of sunscreen. I hate the way that my skin looks. So in formulating our sunscreens, I made sure that they were really pleasant to use when you put them on, that when you looked in the mirror, you didn't feel bad about having it on. You felt your skin looked better. So yeah, a lot of it is just four decades of talking to patients what their goals and dreams are for skincare. And that's what we're trying to put into every one of our formulations. What is your day-to-day schedule? A daily, from a daily basis, from a weekly basis? It just, it really is so inspiring and really mind-blowing to me to think you are a doctor, you are in your practice, working with your patients, working with your team. You're also doing research and formulating these products. I mean, your products have so much research and science behind them. My products in jewelry sometimes take two, three, four, five, six years, but that is from a design perspective. Oh my goodness. If when you add ingredients on top of that, I can't even imagine how long it would take in my world. Right. Right. How, right. how do you manage your schedule on a day-to-day basis? Yeah. So I have to say that I am an extremely energetic person. I've been that way my whole life. 
So it really sort of depends on the day. One thing that I, I will share with you is that now I'm only seeing patients two days a week. So of course that makes it much easier. And of course, what I think is great is that uh, dermatologists so visual. So I give pretty much, I'd say almost every single one of my patients has my cell. Nobody has abused it. So in case they wake up and they've got an issue, they send me pictures and whatever. So I'm available to my patients, but I'm not in the practice full time. The next thing is that... Um, I sort of try, I actually try in the morning to have my morning coffee to do a little word things, Wordle from the New York Times. I want to keep the mind going. I do try as much as I can to go walking a minimum of a half an hour. I like to do that in the morning before the sun is too hot. Then I'll open my computer. Uh, I do get asked probably somewhere between two and five times a week, I get asked by beauty writers for expert opinions. So I usually do that. Then I'll meet with my team, like Bailey and Jean, our CEO is also very involved with, um, with us coming up with formulas with, with all of this. So we will meet usually just once a week to really, you know, hash all of it out. And then uh, talk with the formulating chemist, you know, how are we doing with this and that and all that uh, weekly. And, you know, somehow I have to tell you, I, I still make sure that I find the time for the grandkids and my daughter, one of our daughter who doesn't work with us is a physician um, who is in the process of, of uh, receiving and writing a lot of grants. She's doing work in addiction medicine, which all of us have great, our family has great respect for her. And um, so, you know, I find time to talk with her. I, I think because I love everything that I do, um, somehow 99% of the time I get it done. Uh, but I, I'm not somebody who really blocks out time. It's sort of like, you know, okay, what is there on the schedule for today? I love that. So Dr. Loretta, if someone were to use one of my products or see you in your practice or read an article that you've contributed to or come across you in some capacity and go, that resonates. I want to build my version of that. I want to build an empire the way that you have done it. But for them, what would your advice be to them? Okay. Maybe I'd start by saying, try to write down what you really want to do. What's your end goal, right? The only way that you're going to have a good beginning is if you really know what, what the final goal is. Next thing that I think is super important is don't listen to the naysayers. When I moved to Florida from New York, I wanted to start my own practice. And it took me five banks to go to before someone, a man finally said, yes, all the bankers were men in those days. And the first four said, oh, we won't take a chance on a woman starting her own dermatology practice. So, you know, I think that um, I could have easily by maybe the third or fourth given up, but I refuse to give up. We really, what it comes from is I believed in myself and you've got to believe in yourself. Uh, in order to be successful, you do have to believe in yourself. The next thing is be sure to always keep balance. I mentioned that I'm Italian-American and I, I do go to Italy a lot and have many friends there. And the Italians have a saying, they say that Italians have to work to live, but that Americans live to work. And I think that it will be unfortunate for anyone who wants to be successful if they 
really just have the tunnel vision of their work. I think that you need the well-rounded life, what whatever that entails, you know, what you need to almost like write down what are not only your work goals, but your life goals. Because if you don't keep the balance, at some point you may burn out. Such great advice. Thank what you. are you excited about with your brand and your empire moving forward? Well, you know what I'm very excited about? Just meeting all of the new people in our community, whether it's our, you know, direct customers or We've been very fortunate to uh, recently we went on to Violet Gray and they have just a wonderful team. We sold out like this of our sunscreen in a day or two. Right. So I love that whole team and meeting them. We are in a number of uh, of spas, uh, all of the heydays. I, I totally love to meet with those people. Um uh, Formula Fig, which just opened in L.A., uh, heydays also in L.A. So, you know, just all I, I am a people person and that's almost what excites me the most. The more people that I meet and that that when I hear the stories of how, thank goodness, you know, our skincare is helping them, that gets me very excited and grateful. Where can we find you and how can we support you? Thank you so much. So our website, which I've tried to hopefully keep as educational as we can, is just D-R-L-O-R-E-T-T-A.com, drloretta.com. And then on social, you'll find us at drloretta. And also, I have one that I don't always post, but I try to give advice, which, which is just at Dr. Loretta Durham. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time and for spending your morning with us. This was such a wonderfully inspiring and educational podcast. And I'm very excited for our listeners to hear about, about thank you, you and so your story. Much. And I have to tell you, it's mutual admiration, not only for you as the woman, which is the most important, but also for, for your beautiful jewelry. Oh, thank you. Well, it looks beautiful on you. Thanks for being here, Dr. Loretta. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Wow, you guys, that interview was just amazing. A huge thank you to Dr. Loretta for coming on the show. And another big thank you to our hosts at Dash Radio and producers at Island City Media. If you like this episode, you can listen to it again and again on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review so we can continue bringing you the people and conversations that you love, just like Dr. Loretta. Lastly, if you want to connect with me offline, you can find me at MarinCostella.com and MarinCostella Radio on Instagram. Have a wonderful day, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in, and we will see you next week with another fantastic guest on Marin Costella Radio. Ooh, baby, Nice to know ya, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand Girl, I wanna be more than a friend to ya Nice to, nice to know ya, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand Girl, I wanna be more than a friend to ya It was like food for all of my senses Our time priceless, no expenses Like water to all them dry trenches She had a theme song for her every entrance We had a dinner and a movie Fire up the doobie Great vibe from this girl school closer to me I call her baby, she call me boogie Her beauty intelligence really moves me Nice to, nice to know ya, let's do it again 
we did it on a one night stand Girl I wanna be more than a friend to ya Nice to nice to know ya, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand Girl I wanna be more than a friend this isn't my first rhyme over in a relationship Well, round the graduated with love certificates Aye, she wanna love her, her lover I'll be Stimulate your body and mentally Aye, don't fuss me straight up in a liar Use up me surely if you wanna cry My love is real, not like the mother guys Misery for who sign up cause me I win first prize Nice to nice to know ya, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand See, I'm the perfect body type Being with you is like being in paradise Never seen a girl that can live up to the hype Ay, ay, ay She is a wise, I'm a Reggie Marley, Daidi Madonna Big up the Caribbean girl, I keep it proper All of me Latinos and all of me sexy mamas Broken Corleon, giving you a holler Nice to nice to know ya, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand Girl, I wanna be more than a friend Nice to nice to know you, let's do it again How we did it on a one night stand Girl I wanna be more than a friend